Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number 434. Today you're going to learn lots, but in particular you're going to learn the lessons from three exits. That's right, not just one, but three exits. Two factors to consider when picking the right entity to sell to because ultimately it is your decision. And the third thing is how to capitalize on the synergies of the acquirer once they have purchased you. If you're a first-time listener and you love what you hear, please subscribe. If you're a regular, always welcome those reviews. There will be a summary in the app that you're listening to, but you can also get the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast. It's just episode 434. And before we go into the interview with Lorne, I'd like to thank our sponsors. The first is the Cloud Consultants Collective. It's a free Slack community with peers helping each other to run their businesses better. You can find out more at cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the second is SendSpark. It's a wonderful video platform where, yes, it's got the analytics and it's got most things that the video platforms have got, but now it's also got a cool feature where you can do a little intro and then you can have a standard video and it uh, links those together. It's absolutely brilliant. You can get six months free by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash send spark. So uh, today's guest is a highly experienced ARP and back office strategist with over 20, sorry, not 20, I wrote read at the back wrong way. 32 years of experience. He demonstrated his ability to lead organizations through strategy, requirements, and design sessions to achieve business goals. Additionally, Lawn's strong business and technical background has benefited clients in the design and architecture and complex back office systems, which is why his knowledge was so sought after to be purchased three times. Lorne has strong technical and business qualifications with an impressive track record of hands-on experience in strategic planning and system engineering. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Lorne Kaufman from Momentum Solutions and Momentum Solutions is spelt with a Z and it's a .com. Great to have you here, Lorne. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, very excited. There's, uh, I've had a couple of people on that have had an exit once, but I haven't had anyone on that's got the as what we call in here in Australia the trifecta, where you've actually done three. <laughs> so uh, very, very excited to uh, to learn more about that. But why don't we kick off with in your current business, uh, who your ideal client is, and uh, what problems you love to solve for them. So kind of joke around a little bit on that is that uh, my ideal client is one that pays their bills, but in all reality. The um, ideal client for us is uh, probably 500 million in revenue and above that has large enterprise complex systems that's looking to um, overcome operational or business process efficiencies. Right. And and what sort of, are they on the cloud at the moment or are they migrating to the cloud? Does it matter? Some of our clients, yeah, some of our clients are uh, have dabbled in the cloud. Some of them are um, uh, partially in the cloud. We help them also with a multi-cloud strategy if they're already in the cloud. 
We look at the business process to marry those processes to technology to solve those business solutions for them. We also help them in the orchestration and management and maintenance of those application and cloud implementations ongoing into the future as well. Great, great. And if we sort of take all the way back to your your first business, uh, the one that you first scaled and exited, just tell us a little bit about that business. So that was in the 90s, uh, late 90s, um, coming out of IBM and KPMG. Um, we decided to start an ASP, an application service provider, before MSPs were in vogue. Yeah. And um, we hung our hat on an e- a large ERP application called PeopleSoft, where it was a client-server-based application. The maintenance, management, upgrading, and support of those applications was greater than that of the implementation and benefit most organizations were receiving. So we saw an opportunity in the market and were able to serve that in the application service provider space by solving the upgrade maintenance and management of that application by giving that to us for a fixed monthly fee for a multi-year contract. And um, that was the foundation of that business. And that business sold from 97 to 2001. We sold that company four years later. Great. And who'd you sell it to? So three players in the market were the leaders, U.S. Internet Working, Surebridge Technologies, and us. And um, we sold to Surebridge Technologies, which had then since become uh, AT&T Services, I believe. Okay. And uh, and which way did it go? Did they approach you? You approached them? How did it sort of unfold? So we were the initial um, money we founded or to, to start the company was through venture capital. And the venture capital company, uh, we sought $10 million in VC money. It was given to us at a what I'm going to call a low equity play, if compared to what you would do today. It was 20% equity in our company. Um, they helped uh, facilitate the bridging and finding of an organization that would be interested in us. The reality is, is that we... We competed with them, so they knew us. Yes. But the venture capital company brought us together to work work the deal out. Right, and was that always their plan when they came in that they were going to take an exit with one of the two? There, there was, and if you know the dates I'm referring to, '97 was the heyday, um, and 2001 was a year past the heyday. So <laughs> um, we we did well. We didn't do as well. That was back in the day when. Uh, organization's valuation were based on revenue, not based on profitability. So yes, that yes. was their plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great, great. And what what was sort of the the key learning that you took out of that that exit? Uh, out of the exit, mm. um, well, the entrance was interesting, and the exit was also interesting. Um, uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur, as my wife coins me. So prior to the signing of the papers on the exit, I was already thinking my next thing. And over those four years, I learned a great deal, both on the operational side of running a business, more importantly, on the back office financial side of running a business, as well as the sales and marketing side. So the things I took away, not just out of the exit, but through the four-year experience was the emphasis on the uh, operational efficiency in your own house even though you consult and give that advice to organizations as part of your core business as well. Yeah. And then what were some of the key key strategy strategies you implemented from the operational point of view? So um, 
prior to that acquisition, working at KPMG, uh, finance and dollars of what we did and how we did it was not front and center. Yeah. Um, when it's your money and somebody else's money, it needs to be front and center. Yes. So that became more of a um, a discipline that we undertook and 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 made part of our DNA. So we always looked at things through two lenses: what the what the impact, positive impact to the customer was and our employees, and then what was the impact to cash, positively or negatively. And those were those were our those were our tenants to make decisions. Yeah. And did you run that first business? Did you run it differently? If- Based on the fact that it was VC funded and you were going to exit versus what you'd you know run a business today? No, we were very fortunate in the VC. They met with us on a quarterly basis to see where our spend was against the revenue. They were not micromanaging us to that extent. So no, we ran that business like it was our money with the intent that we would build that business from a zero dollar revenue business to a $15 million revenue business that we did in three and a half years. Brilliant. And and what was uh, the key sales ingredient to to drive that revenue increase? So uh, having the right sales and marketing engine is, is, is important, but having the right market uh, environment is also important. Mm. So that market environment was buzzing with ASPs um, just like, 10 years prior, 15 years prior, that the implementation of ERPs did. Just like today's market is buzzing with cloud, migrate to the cloud. So the environment plays a part in that sales engine, but having a good marketing sales strategy is is, is critical as well. Yeah. And, and what were some of the those, you know, if you look at, if I had to, you know, pick three buckets or four buckets on what drove you sure. guys leads, what what were those four buckets? Well, so before I go to leads, I would say that know your know your offering, know what you're good at, focus on that. Don't try to be everything to everybody. That's one piece of advice I would give anybody. Don't try and be everything to everybody. As you adopt new capabilities, have a plan and a, and, and a strategy of how you incorporate those strategy incorporate those capabilities into your current business model. Um, as far as our our key takeaways and our key capabilities that we provided. Um, from a revenue standpoint, it was really the ASP model in the PeopleSoft space that we kind of rode rode that horse for. I'm going to say it, it, in my second and into my third company, it, it was a very similar horse that we rode. So that's kind of really where that uh, that benefit and value came from for us. Yeah. So so pick the right market and make therefore the partners sending you leads and you sure. yeah yeah which is you know all what do they say all boats rise and a high tide so uh yeah i think that's it's and they go on a load too (laughs) yeah Yeah, true 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 so um so tell us the second company what what tell us about the second company the second company was an offshoot uh not an asp asps were tough a lot of investment in capital and hardware we had data centers co-located data centers um, I wanted to stay away from the uh, 24 an hour, seven by seven days a week support maintenance of said clients. And we focused back on where we got our start. And that was in management consulting, focusing on large businesses, large uh, enterprise problems, and bringing that to bear. So the second company was uh, by the name of System Efficiency, where 
system efficiency was a boutique consultancy in back office systems focusing mainly on Oracle-based applications. Right. And, you know, I know the first model was recurring revenue, which was great, you know, monthly fee, et cetera. You know, with management consulting, did that see the business model change that it went more project-based than recurring revenue? It did. And so system efficiency was in business for about eight years, seven years. And we started out with that time and materials model, but focusing on the strategy of large organizations. We fell quickly into our similar model of being able to provide good consulting, good management and maintenance to large organizations and their systems. And we converted that into an, a managed services model, not an ASP model. Harbor was not in play. It was just uh, uh, continuous contractual labor uh, at a scope and fixed price that gives the uh, organization predictability and cost for the value and service that we're delivering. And it gives us the viability of continuous revenue so we can forecast uh, our demand that's going to be put on us by our customers. It, it was a win-win on both sides. Great. And was there any particular verticals that you focused on? So uh, for system efficiency, we and, and very much today, uh, we landed into the higher educational space and the healthcare space, as well as retail. Those were our three verticals. And the retail space was really born out of where, where, um, where I came from was in the retail space. So I had a lot of retail experience and retail is unique um, all the way from point of sale to transactions hitting the general ledger and supply chain. So we had a lot to bring to, to, to value to our customers in that area. Yeah, great. And uh, what was the exit on, on that business? Um, that business um, was, <laughs> this is kind of a, a funny thing. It wasn't, uh, it was a sale, but we converted that business into the current business of Momentum Solutions, the business that I sold two years ago. But because of some personal changes in my life, um, I flipped that business to um, uh, I flipped that business to a different brand name. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so we fast forward to uh, Momentum Solutions. So uh, take us through, you know, what was that business or what sure. is that business, I suppose? And once again, what was the, take us through the journey of the exit for that one? So the impetus of this was um, also to be high-end consulting for large corporations, solving complex uh, back office problems. Um, I found or met my business partner in Austin, Texas, 13 years ago. Uh, he also, like me, of the same ilk, um, uh, we're working on a very large, complex, multi-year project. Uh, we connected. He had a lot of skills that I didn't have. I had a lot of skills that he didn't have. So we formed the bond and started Momentum Solutions, which again, focused on that high-end consulting, but we quickly um, managed that into a managed services business uh, upon our first client that we really that we really achieved. And that client in the Northeast um, came to us and said, could you provide us the maintenance support, um, ongoing uh, control of our systems in a in a controlled, predictable fashion when it comes to cost, and hence was born our MSP model within Momentum Solutions. Yeah, brilliant. And and is that predominantly on a what platform was was that on? 
So we 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 played in the Oracle platforms as well. So yeah. we did Hyperion, we did PeopleSoft, and we did Oracle eBusiness. Yeah. We did it from the uh, infrastructural side, uh, technology side, and infrastructure. We did it from the uh, business process and data side, and we did it from the technical development side. So we had kind of three legs to the three-legged stool that we could provide those valued services. Additionally, Jeff, my business partner, and myself could provide um, uh, leadership or strategic management consulting services to organizations that needed a roadmap moving forward. Yeah, great. And um, so Jeff, the partner. So some people are, yes, I'll always have a partner. Some people are like, I'll never have a partner, right? So for you, um, you said you met Jeff in you know, Austin, Texas, but uh, had it, was it a chance meeting? Was it planned? Tell us a little bit about how you met Jeff. It wasn't planned. Um, I found my way onto my next engagement after I, um, after system efficiency. Yeah. And um, uh, I ended up meeting with him. I was a leader in that practice and that business uh, for this for this co- company. And he was also a leader in that business, so the other side of the business. And over the course of probably a month, we figured out that we had complementary skills and views. Um, and I, I saw it pretty quickly. I asked him to lunch and said, why don't we, why don't we go into business together at the end of the day? Because you're doing your side of the business. I'm doing my side of the business. If we bridged it and came together, we can form a much bigger business. Now, that was 13 years ago. Yeah. And if we fast forward, uh, it, it worked out very well for us. Yeah, just, right. And what that. were those complementary skills? What were you good at and what was he good at? So I'm a very pie in the sky, very creative, thought-provoking, talk with my hands, obviously, kind of guy. <laughs> um, I could solve very complex technical problems. I listen to to business solutions. Understanding technology is not the hammer and everything is the nail, but yeah. I can apply that logic to all, speaking yes. to developers all the way up to the C-suite. Jeff is uh, more pragmatic. Uh, he has a, uh, a CPA financial background. He's um, he's my balance. So he's on the yin, he's the yang, or the inverse of that. My wife calls him my... Uh, my work, my work wife. Um, so we're, we're just very well balanced in that respect. But he has much more financial focus or financial experience than I do. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Well, look, I had a business partner, Scott. So shout out, Scott, if you're listening. And uh, yes, it was very similar. So I'm more like you. You know, I come from corporate, so more strategy, more sales, uh, that was and marketing. That was sort of my thing. And then uh, and, and overall customer. But Scott was the guy that ran the operations, did all the technical side. So, uh, yeah, we worked really well. But I think for us, and it sounds like for you and Jeff, is our values were aligned. So when it really came, we sort of set out, these are the way we're going to make decisions when things go bad. And if you're listening to to Lorne and I, you know, have that. If you're entering into a partnership, it's all fantastic at the start. But have that conversation when it's great of all the things that potentially go wrong and what's the scenario plays out there and when we did that at the start, Scott and I were very aligned, so it made it very easy, and it made it easy for us to have an exit. And you know, I still uh, talk to him regularly. So um, yeah, I think well, if you fun. yeah do the right partners, it's um, it, it's brilliant. So um, you know, you talked about uh, you know Oracle, PeopleSoft, etc. What were the differences in the way that those businesses brought you sales uh, in this in this current business? So. With momentum as the 
the environment changed and cloud got introduced, I'll say five, I, I know it's been around longer than five or six years, but in, in our space in the last five or six years and SaaS came to bear, um, it kind of changed our, our, not our customer, it's changed, it's changed the landscape. So we had a, uh, we do strategy meetings once a year and it came to bear that we needed to do something different. We've been riding this horse for eight years. Uh, the horse may be a little bit tired, still opportunistic, yeah. but we need to be looking elsewhere. And that was that was also that complimentary conversation that we could have internally. And we decided to go in the direction of some of the SaaS-based applications as well as the cloud cloud-based infrastructure. Yeah. So so did you actually change SaaS vendors? So we with with Oracle PeopleSoft eBusiness on-prem and Hyperion, we still do today. And as organizations are looking to transition to their SaaS application, be it Workday, Infor, the three big ones I'll name, Workday, Infor, Oracle Cloud, um, there's a need that we can help with those implementations. We're a certified partner for Oracle. We're also a certified partner for Snow, uh, ServiceNow. Um, but as those organizations are making that transition from on-premise to cloud, we can help with the cloud implementation strategy as well as the migration of hardware to, to, to infrastructure to a cloud. But they need somebody to then backfill their staff with their ex existing legacy application. So we get kind of both sides of the both sides of the equation. The yeah. left side is temporary, maybe yes. a year, until we transition them to cloud. So we 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 kind of play in both camps. Yeah, and and you know you've had experience across a lot of a lot of vendors. Uh, what what are some tips you can share with us around, you know, how you do maximize the sales that that they send you? What 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 have you learned in regards to that? So you're referring vendors such as OCI, Azure, uh, hardware, uh, cloud, or okay, yeah. yeah so <clears throat> we let our so we we play in the four top cloud vendors. So I'm going to call the four top: yeah. AWS, Azure, OCI, and GPC, Google Play, yeah. um, Google Google Cloud. We allow our customers to kind of dictate that. We give them advice and guidance. Yeah. As an example, if I'm an Oracle's database customer and I decide to go to AWS, we can give them the advice that you're going to pay almost double for the database license outside of OCI because Larry controls the license. He'll give you two for one on the license side. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the right solution for you. Really, you got to look at the whole picture, the whole enterprise. Yes. Where are their skills? Where where are they, where do they currently play? Do they want to have an omni cloud uh, solution? Um, but those are the four vendors that we play with, and there's not one size fits all. Everybody knows that. Um, yes. It really depends on where you are and what your strategy is. And if they don't have a strategy, we help them with the strategy and the roadmap. Yeah. Right. And uh, the exit of this last business, right? Momentum Solutions. So take us through uh, how that uh, played out. So one of our, um, I'm going to say two years into Momentum Solutions, Jeff and I tried our hand at hiring salespeople. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a sales support person. Um, uh, we were very, not very, we were unsuccessful in that play. So we partnered with a, uh, a company called Edgerock Technology Partners, who we've been partnered with for seven years. Um, they are our sales engine. They're a staffing company yeah. in the area of our PeopleSoft and cloud. We do the project-based work and managed services work for Edgerock. 
They were acquired two years ago in February by a parent company called BGSF. Um, fast forward a year after that acquisition, uh, they introduced us to BGSF. We had some uh, a lot of um, cohesiveness in our businesses, and BGSF, um, through their due diligence, saw it was a good value play for them, uh, acquired us. As of late, BGSF's position now is to be a consulting company with some staffing and focus on managed services. And they're a $400 million, $450 million company. Right. So I'm excited about being part of that bigger thing. Yeah, brilliant. And I, I believe at the moment you're on an earnout. Is that correct? I am on the second year of my earnout. We we exceeded expectations on the first year, so we got a little kicker. We, we got cash up front. It's it was a good it was a it's public knowledge, but it was 75% um cash up front and 25% on the back. And um, we were able to exceed 110% more than that of, of revenue forecast. And we're on track to do that again in year two. They've since asked me to um, stay on and play a bigger role and run their man the managed services division for the entire organization. So I'm, con I'm, I'm, I'm playing in that space for right now. Yeah, brilliant. And and as far as that growth, how much was led by the synergies of the businesses coming together versus how much by you know you and your original sources of, of revenue? So that's a great question. So with Edgerock, Edgerock was never focused on selling just momentum solutions. They were doing their staff augmentation. If they heard an opportunity, they'd kick it our way. With the acquisition of BGSF, there was now a focus. So they have 165 sales folks that do nothing but sell their services uh, across the organization. So when you have 165 people focused on selling, staffing, and managed services, your sales will naturally increase. And one of the concerns Jeff and I had when we came into this was, will we be able to swallow the pill that fast? Will, will, will we <laughs> water from a fire hose? We were fortunate enough that we did a crawl, walk, run model. And uh, we're foundationally prepared. And as we've as we've grown, we've more than doubled last year in revenue, um, and we're earmarked to double again in in this calendar year, twenty twenty three. Yeah, and and look, I've um, I've worked with a couple of people that have had a, a similar thing, and, and I think you're right. Like once you solve that sales, even though we accelerate sales podcast, you're listening to. You know, you got to make sure that you're balancing that the coin on the other side. So I think that's good, and I think that's your background, right? So it seemed to play yeah. exceptionally well to to that, which made that the synergy is there. Anything particularly in the the deal, and it may have been any of the deals that you could give us advice on to really think about that that you you know post these three thought, yeah, I wish I had have known that earlier. I wish I had of you know. A better thought of this particular thing. Sure. So I've been through three transactions, so to so to call it. The first one we we recapped was VC money. It wasn't an aggressive market back then. Um, the second one was my money. Third one uh, was BG money. Having worked with other organizations and helped them through their um, mergers and acquisitions. Um, I, we consciously steered away from private equity, not knocking private equity. Yeah. I think if you're looking at selling your organization, you need to look at two things that are more paramount to you in the value. Uh, what is the, what is the, the buying company going to do with your company, your culture and your people and your customers? 
I think that's paramount. And based on those similar um, uh, values, we'll call it, um, if you align, the, the number one you think, thing you should look at is look at the values of the organization that's going to buy you. If they're private equity, private equity has one intent, and I'm not knocking them, it's to make money. It's and they may be, yeah, they, they may, it may be a chopping block, cut off 75%, that, that's not good, 25% that is, and just you need to take that into consideration. Secondarily, you need to see the synergistic value that this buying company has. So, for example, if if a, if a retailer decided to buy us because they wanted to get into the managed services business, I don't know if that's a good synergistic play. You know, hope is old sales guy once told me hope's not a strategy. At the end of the day, make sure your values align. Make sure your your focus and direction of where you want to go align as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, that's smart, and um, you know. These days, most businesses are, like you said, sold more on a profit than on a EBITDA rather than a, a revenue, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it's the the multiple is normally made up of, you know, the business, i.e. what's the profitability of the business. And then, yep. you know, often it's around the systems and the risk of the owners, et cetera, to get the higher multiple, i.e. the more involved the owner is, typically the lower the multiple. How did that sort of play out in this last uh, transaction for you, knowing that you were a key person that um, you know was going to continue to be in the business, or you and Jeff? So that's an interesting question statement. If I go flashback to '97, we knew what the multiples were on an ASP. Again, this was a new market. If I look today on managed services, um, we had an idea of what the multiples were based on. Uh, EBITDA or uh, net profit, and uh, BGSF gave us a very fair. I'm going to say even not more not more fair than we anticipated, but a very fair multiple on our net profit. So if if you're looking for a, 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 an an exit, one of the things you need to look at is 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 use your peers and find out what you think based on your type of service that you're offering or product and figure out what those multiples are. Like my brother's going through one right now. Um, it's it's going to vary and it's going to vary on calendar years. It's going to vary based on the market. It's going to vary based on the economy and all those, all those things come into play. So yeah, and BTSF treated us very well on the, on the multiple. Yeah. And, and is there anything that um, in particular that they looked at as a key factor in that multiple? Um, Yes. So consulting revenue, what I'm going to refer to as staff augmentation, not knocking it. I call it butts and chairs, which that's what we call it in our industry, yeah. um, has 75 cents to a dollar per revenue multiple. Yeah. So you have a million dollars in staffing, you have a million dollar value business. Yeah. Um, managed services, which is recurring tight contracts like you do on a lease on a building, has anywhere depending on the service offering there's you know if you're a niche msp your multiples are going to be higher are going to range anywhere between five and 11 times ebitda and if you're specialized you can go 10 to 15 times ebitda or net profit yeah yeah okay brilliant well uh you know it's 
the the whole journey of of three exits is fantastic, and uh, I think you know you're listening to Lauren and you're saying, look, probably you know I'd love to have one, but uh, I think you know the key thing is just you know the the strategy of the the right market, as he said, the right markets, and then the right providers in that market is uh, going to make everything else a lot easier. But what we'll do now is go to the rapid fire questions at the end. Are you ready for that, Lauren? I, I think so. Uh, come on, I know you are. Let's <laughs> let's rock this out. So the first thing is, you know, for you, you you did mention that you know you're not natural at sales, but the things that you do do around sales. What are some of the daily sales habits that you do do? So I I, I watch. Well, I was trained by a very focused salesperson, but today I watch um, a gentleman by the name of Grant Cardone. He sell. I don't know if you're familiar with Grant Cardone. He's yeah. nationally known. He's. I, I get intrigued and enthused by the simplicity of his position and model. And sales is not simple. Everybody knows that. Yes. But if you sit and listen to his positioning on sales, it, it, it really drives me and gives me some things to consider and focus on when I'm when I'm when I'm in an opportunistic place to do sales, which I do every day. I just have a salesperson leading that effort that gets me to the, to the initial conversation. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. All right, well, that covers off the second question is where do you source great sales information? So that so that's great. So we'll go to the third one, which is, you know, if we could grant you one wish today for Momentum Solutions, what would that be or what is that? For for the company? Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, a wish that we could have, um, a, I, I want to say a more focused, a more focused customer target, because what we do is, like I said, if you use the two components that we use for uh, who we market to, five hundred million and above, and complex ERP systems, that could pretty much be anybody. Yes, and, and then you can narrow it down to retail, healthcare. And, and, and But if I had a, 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 give me a list of 500 companies that I should focus and target on, that would be my wish list. If I'm looking for a wish list that would benefit the uh, the customers and the employees of Momentum Solutions. Right. So you know, knowing what you know now after these three businesses, the three exits, et cetera, you know, what's something you wish you had have done earlier in your business journey? Practice. Oh, I was going to say practice my golf game, but I, I didn't have time for that. Um, in my business journey, I remember when we left KPMG to start Trans Channel, my first company, and my partner, my partner who brought us into KPMG, did not come along. It was the three of us that started Trans Channel. Said you need to have. You guys aren't going to. You, you're not going to be successful because you don't have your spreadsheets and your powerpoints. And we're like, what? So I, I know that sounds trite, but definitely have your operational plan in place and make sure you have a good sales and marketing plan in place. Don't underestimate the value of those when building and then eventually selling your business. Yeah, yeah, great advice. Well, uh, it's been brilliant having you on. Thanks for sharing so openly about your three exits. And uh, I'm sure you listening have taken a lot of uh, great value out of Lawn. We'll have all the links in the show notes we'll talk about in a moment but uh yeah lawn brilliant having you on and thanks for uh once again uh sharing uh so openly on the accelerate sales podcast thank you paul that was a great interview with lawn 
you know, first time I've had someone on that's had three exits. Uh, I love the facts that he talks about or the fact that he talked about knowing your numbers. And also the other part is that hope is not a strategy and how often do we hope, especially in the area of sales. Uh, if you loved what you heard from Lauren, share your learnings on LinkedIn, his profile's in the show notes, but he's also very keen to get questions from you. So if you want to post a question to him, definitely do that. And also for the CCC members, if you've got a question for Lorne, just post that in Slack. He'd love to answer it. And all the links are in the the summary of the app, and you can get the full transcript at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast, episode 434. And if you have, you know, one, two, you might even have 10 peers that you know that could benefit from this, particularly if they're looking to do an exit or they've got a partner interested. I think this would be a great one to share with them and they'll think you're a rock star and you'll make their day. And it's always nice to have that feeling of sharing. Check out our solo shows. Also, don't forget that free Slack community at cloudconsultantscollective.com. If you like created content just for you as a cloud consultant, you can subscribe at to our newsletter at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash newsletter. Next week's guest is Jay McBain. You've probably heard of him before, and he's going to talk all things ecosystems. And uh, send your questions in in preparation for that. Just send it to paul at paulhigginsmentoring.com. As always, please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet. 